Hi, I'm James Lawrenson, Deputy Director of the Australia-China Relations Institute at the University of Technology, Sydney. Welcome to the ACRI podcast. It's no secret that Australia-China relations are currently strained. There's much media discussion about international students and political donors from China. However, there's less consideration for the views of Chinese Australians. What does the Chinese-Australian community think about the current debate? What role do Chinese-Australians play in the Australia-China relationship? With me to discuss these issues is writer, researcher and commentator Jay Yong Lo. As a Chinese-Australian, Jay Yong spent many years working with Chinese-Australian communities in a variety of capacities and has served as one voice on social and political issues facing Chinese-Australians. Jay Young has written extensively on Australia-China relations, China foreign policy, diplomacy, history, culture, and issues concerning Chinese Australians. Uh, you've probably read his work already in publications such as the Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, The Guardian, and the Australian Financial Review, amongst others. Jay Young, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me, James, and the opportunity to share a Chinese-Australian perspective on some of these issues we are facing today. Well, it's a voice that's often been missed, so we're delighted to be hosting you. Let me kick it off with this one, Jay Young, and it's a tough question. It's one I grapple with, sure. um, and possibly it's one that you've grappled with yourself. How do we even begin to start defining the Chinese-Australian community? Um, I, I remember speaking to a federal politician who had a large ethnic Chinese uh, constituency, and he said one of the challenges for him, for, for some ethnic constituencies, he knew who to speak to. For the Chinese community, there was no single person that leapt out, and that made his engagement with this community a challenge. So let's start off with that one. What does it mean to be a Ch Australian Chinese community leader, for example? A very tough question, James, and uh, it's a question that the entire community has been grappling with for many, many years. As you may know, James, um, it is... The, one of the most diverse ethnic communities in Australia. So Chinese Australians, um, in my understanding, um, is one of the longest um, continuous migration communities to Australia. So from the very first Chinese Australian recorded who arrived 200 years ago um, to the current day um, of Chinese migrants, uh, Chinese Australians comprise of many diverse backgrounds and are extremely hard to define. Mm -hmm. So you've got Chinese Australians like myself, um, we call ourselves ABCs, Australian-born Chinese. You've got um, Chinese Australians who've been here for eight or nine generations since the Victorian gold rush. Mm. Then you've got Chinese Australians from other places that's not of China. So you've mm. got Chinese, uh, Chinese Malaysians, for example. Mm. You've got Chinese Singaporeans, Chinese Vietnamese, where my parents came from. Um, you know, Chinese Cambodians, so a completely diverse community. So mm. not only from background, but also around languages and linguistics and also culture mm. as well. Mm. So mm. it's really hard to define the Australian Chinese community in the one brush. And mm. I think this is where some of the issues that we're facing as a community is when you read media reports talking about the Australian Chinese community, they're talking about us as a whole, whilst in fact, we're actually very diverse with yes. different opinions, different backgrounds and different perspectives. Right. Okay. So in your estimation, Jayong, what are the key factors behind this? I'll put the question differently. Say you were seeking to launch a political career. What factors would cross your mind that you think perhaps wouldn't cross the mind of someone like me if I was looking to launch my political career? What are the particular challenges that Chinese Australians face? I think, you know, 
going back to your earlier question around what defines a Chinese Australian community leader and the and how the community is formed, for example, just taking a step back uh, from your, your next question, um, there is no one organisation that represents the community. So we, we've got um, a couple of peak bodies, the Federation of Chinese Australian Associations, um, you've got the CCCAV, the Chinese Community Council of Australia, um, who are sort of peak bodies for, for Chinese Australians, but you've got so many other organisations um, that you know, aren't a part of those peak bodies. Mm. So, but I guess the point I was trying to make earlier, James, is it's really hard to define um, a Chinese Australian community leader. But in terms of uh, the concept of Chinese Australians, uh, we, we're actually having a discussion amongst community leaders about what that definition means. For example, Chinese Australians, um, based on the census, is based on ancestry and ethnicity. Right, right. Um, but if we're talking about trying to broaden that scope, and there is some interest within the community, especially amongst the younger generation, on what Chinese Australians mean, uh, we're looking at people who speak Chinese, people who have an interest in Chinese culture, um, people who uh, are working in the China space, mm. could also be classified as Chinese Australian. Right, okay. So, but in terms of the question, a great question around political representation, you know, as I couldn't even count on my fingers how many Chinese Australians are represented in Parliament. And these, there, are, there are barriers that existed before the debate on Chinese influence and, and interference. Sure, sure. So, so we don't want to lump everything into that current debate. It's, there's a longer history and backstory there. Absolutely. And in my, in my own experience, I, I was a former local government councillor for the city of Monash, which is a large local government area in suburban Melbourne, one of the largest um, Chinese-Australian communities based in Melbourne, and since the Monash City Council's uh, conception, they've never had a Chinese-Australian representative. So I was, I was very privileged to be the first Chinese-Australian councillor elected to that particular position. And throughout that experience, I've learned that Chinese-Australians face numerous barriers. Okay, talk us through some of the ones that you ran up against. So in terms of um, our involvement in politics, for mm. example, we're not part of the inner sanctum. So, you know, it's very hard to have our voice heard on policy matters. Uh, it's very hard to um, find a Chinese-Australian um, involved in the, I guess, the, the inner sanctum of political parties. Sure. Um, they also have a lot of baggage. So Chinese-Australians, like many multicultural Australians, um, are seen as, I call them, walking ATMs or cash cows. So you've heard them referred to using that sort of language yes, by the political parties. Correct. Yeah. Right. So community leaders, uh, which we were currently just um, talking about before, you yeah. know, like a lot of them see political parties as opportunists. So they come to them during an election year asking for their community's support right. and endorsement, but also for fundraising purposes. Okay. Okay. Hence the name, Walking ATMs. Exactly right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Walking ATMs, Cash Cows. Right. Um, so those are some of the names used for Chinese Australians, but also other multicultural communities as well. So mm. it's very common during an election year where political parties from all persuasions, ma mainly the major parties, hosting dinners and fundraisers uh, with multicultural communities like Chinese Australians. Uh, but when it comes to serious engagement, yep. um, that seems to be missing in... Uh, in Australian politics. So, you know, Chinese Australians, you know, have never been asked for 
a contribution to a policy idea. Yep, yep. Um, for example, I'll give a very um, clear-cut example. But in the 2016 federal election, Labor put out a policy on negative gearing, on abolishing negative gearing, a policy that Chinese Australians and Asian Australians were deeply against because they felt that you're taking away their ability to invest in okay, property. Okay. So, but that feedback was never asked of the Chinese Australian or Asian Australian community. So the Labor Party ran with it. Um, and that when they were presenting that policy to specific electorates with large Asian Australian populations, there was a lot of pushback. Right. A lot of pushback. So another example um, is you've got a lot of tokenism. So we were talking about, you know, uh, Chinese Australians not being involved in politics. You would very often see Chinese Australian candidates put in unwinnable seats uh, to run um, with the aim of, number one, getting their communities support and endorsement for that political party, Mm. and number two, to use those community members as a fundraising tool. Right. So... When it comes to serious representation, in my experience, I have found that Chinese Australians are constantly taken for granted mm. by all political parties mm. um, and not taken seriously as a genuine community constituency that has ideas on policy. Right. Okay. That's quite a critique of the current political state of mind. Also quite frustrating as well, James. Mm. I think it's, um, you know, as I mentioned before, our community has been here for over 200 years. Um, Political parties only assume that Chinese Australians only care about China-Australia relations, which is a very general perception. Um, But as a matter of fact, Chinese Australians are like all Australians. They care about issues like education, like health. Fancy that. Innovative (laughs) stuff, isn't it? Like, you know, things like, um, you know, Medicare and, um, you know, higher education, Um, jobs, the economy, so things that all Australians care about. So I think these barriers have long existed even before the current debate on China's influence, Mm. but that this current debate has made matters worse. Uh, Can you talk about that? So um, I've had a couple of um, uh, instances where young people of Chinese origin have come to me and said, Jae-yung, I really want to be engaged in, in politics. Um, I really want to uh, have a say, make a contribution, mm. which I was happy to refer some of my knowledge and expertise um, mm. and networks to. But unfortunately, when they you know, rocked up to political functions or branch meetings, um, and this is not just the Labor Party, this is the Liberal Party and the Greens as well, sure. um, you know, all political persuasions, they were being questioned by branch members. Why are you here? Um, what's your purpose? Uh, who who are you representing? And what so, was the subtext there, Jay Young, that they were representing? Who? I mean, I would just to be blunt. Well, it, it was the subtext they were representing the what, Chinese Communist Party, or oh, they just or, felt that they were representing the interests of a foreign power. Right. So right, I think right. you know people can't differentiate the difference. Yeah. That right. we talked about before about right. diversity. So right, right. you know we we mentioned before that the Chinese community is very diverse with different mm. backgrounds mm. and different circumstances, but. Um, unfortunately, uh, it was hard to shake off that yep. label. Right, okay. okay. And, and that is a, a disincentive for some of oh. these young people to, 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 you know, who really want to get involved and who really want to shape the community. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, they're having to wear this tag where 
uh, their loyalty is being questioned. Well, if your allegiances are being questioned, you're being thought of as a cash cow uh, and or uh, some sort of token. Um, that's not a great starting point, is it, to to boost the political representation of this group? Uh, well, and this is where um, I guess I question some of the commentary that's occurring uh, publicly. You know, uh, Clive Hamilton mentioned in a, in a public um, event in Adelaide that Chinese Australians have been kept away from politics because they are um, uh, hold a view of being anti-China. But you know, if from my perspective and in my own experience, the barriers have long existed, right, even okay. before this debate. Sure. But it's just been made worse, okay. and the barriers are more higher than ever, unfortunately, for our community. Right. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about that broader strain that's really been aggravated over the last eighteen months. Um, there's debate about Chinese Communist Party interference. Um, obviously, there's been a debate around political donations from Chinese business people and so on. So in your interactions with the Chinese Australian community, has this current debate had an impact on their perceptions of their place in Australian society? Um, do they feel as though their allegiances are being questioned? Um, have you had reports of an uptick in racist incidents, for example, or not really? So to tell, tell us about what's happening in the community right now. I think, you know, for the community themselves, a lot of them who do hold moderate views of the Australia-China relationship or our engagement with China are afraid to speak out, which, which, is, really a, which is really unfortunate. Because, because why, are the, why exactly are because they Because they, they don't want to be labelled. As a Chinese as a Communist Chinese, Party. Exactly, as right. a Chinese Communist Party sympathiser or an apologist right. or a panda hugger, whatever okay. we're being called, um, which is very, you know, which is a shame because Chinese Australians have an important role to play in the, in the bilateral relationship. Um, and I think for, for our community, um, you know, we've suffered um, many, many decades of being questioned. Has your allegiance been questioned, Jayong? I mean, you personally, have you had that, that levelled at you? Interestingly, because as I mentioned before, you know, there are not many Chinese Australians speaking out on these issues and the ones who do, including Such myself, yep. uh, have been questioned. Right. I've, I've been questioned um, both privately by people, um, you know, when, at, at gatherings, you know, at public gatherings, um, on social media. Um, I'm, a, I'm a regular user of Twitter and uh, I've had a couple of instances where people have openly asked about my allegiance uh, and I find that deeply offensive because... I was born in Australia, so as I mentioned before, I'm an ABC, a proud ABC, Australian-born mm. Chinese. Um, my mum and dad arrived in Australia in 1977. Um, dad co-founded two um, Chinese um, community groups, one called Xiaofeng Chinese Orchestra, which is the longest-running Chinese music orchestra in Australia, mm. and secondly, Chinese Cultural Society, which is the first um, Chinese-language current affairs magazine. Right. You know, so played a role in trying to bridge um, Chinese-Australia relations more closely, mm -hmm. but also to increase engagement between Australians and people of Chinese origin. So I felt that, you know, um, Dad and our family had a, a big contribution. Um, we made a big contribution to Australia. And, um, you know, I always hold Australia's interests at heart. Um, you know, as a former local government councillor, mm. you know, I was, you know, elected by my community to, to serve them at the mm. local government level. So having my loyalty questioned like that, just because I hold a more, I guess, moderate view mm. of um, Australian-China relations has been deeply, deeply shocking. Right. And you're telling us that um, your personal experience is also is not an unusual one. 
No, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I guess, one of uh, one of a few, yeah. really. I mean, I think, um, you know, people who are speaking out, and I applaud them. You know, there there are both sides of the argument, and you know, we 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 live in a in a country where debate is welcomed, um, but you know, we shouldn't be throwing accusations or name calling. You sure, know? we should be debating each other on the facts and figures and on the on the merits of that uh, of those issues, rather than labeling somebody as you know, a disloyal um, individual, you know, whose allegiances lie with someone else. I a mean, foreign power. You know, yeah. my mum my and dad, you know, they, they were born in Vietnam. They're Chinese, yeah. Vietnamese. I was born in Australia. Mm. You know, my, my grandparents left China in 1949. Mm. Um, so... You know, and um, we've had a family history where my grandfather served the Republic of China, you know, the, right. the yeah. government before the CCP, yeah. and uh, he fought the communists, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and to be, you know, and telling my mum and dad that, oh, guess what, your son's been accused as a CCP sympathiser, like, didn't really it's go quite, down well with yeah, them. Yeah, it's you know? quite extraordinary, <laughs> so, <isn't> it? yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been rare and fortunate, but hopefully um, it could get better. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Um, what role do you see Chinese Australians playing is, is there a role for Chinese Australians to play in improving the overall state of the bilateral relationship? Um, maybe from your own career, can you think of particular examples of where your background um, was a very useful asset to draw on, not just for yourself, but for, for, for Australia's national interest as well in improving this bilateral relationship, which is, you know, with, that's now accounting for one-third of our exports and about one-third of world growth? Uh, that's a very good question, James, and I think it's a question that hasn't been asked very much by by the current um, uh, people debating um, th- these issues. I think Chinese Australians, as we talked about earlier, have been a missing voice in the overall bilateral relationship. I mean, we always tend to forget that one point we have one point two million Australians of Chinese ancestry. Uh, Chinese Mandarin is the second most spoken language in Australia after English. Mm. Chinese Cantonese um, is the fourth or fifth. Mm. most spoken dialect uh, language in Australia. So we have this huge um, untapped human resource that is heavily underutilised by Australia. Um, We're very fortunate to be one of a few countries in the world where we have a large overseas Chinese diaspora um, who have a unique ability of bridging um, these two countries more closer together, Mm. Uh, not just on language but also on culture and mutual trust. Um, and I think the there is a real opportunity for the Australian government to um, allow Chinese Australians to have a place at the discussion and decision-making table mm-hmm. around the bilateral relationship. Uh, there is a, a place for Chinese Australians to really lead uh, Australia's um, interests in the relationship. And you asked about whether there was a, a period in my career where I've at, where I've utilised um, uh, my Chinese Australian background. Um, in furthering the interests of Australia. Um, there has been one instance where um, I was um, a leading facilitator and um, an instigator in setting up a friendship sister city agreement between Xi'an and Hobart. And that experience came from a visit to Xi'an in 2013. Mm. Um, I've read about the city. I've long admired the city. Um, you know, it's the ancient capital of China. Um, it's the home of the terracotta warriors, the home of mm. the pagoda, um, the central of China's civilization for many, many years. Um, so I read about it a lot, never been there in my, in my life. So I had the, you know, the, the utmost opportunity and fortune to visit that beautiful city and um, came home beaming, thinking that 
how much Australians can learn about this city and learn about Chinese culture because, as you know, uh, China's culture is very different、mm. in that part of China compared to the normal cities、sure. you deal with, like Hong Kong、mm. and Shanghai mm. and mm. Beijing. Mm.、Um, so I had the opportunity to meet with some Xi'an officials、um, who was interested in setting up a sister city with,、uh, with an Australian city. And、um, interestingly, they had their eyes set on Melbourne, being, you know, Melbourne being Australia's、uh, capital. Cultural capital.、Um, Thank you、yeah. for that correction. <laughs> and、um, sporting capital, etc.、Um, I might take issue with that as well, but you know, <laughs> carry, carry on.、Uh, you know, so Xi'an was very, very interested in, in, in setting up that relationship. But unfortunately, Melbourne was already, already married to Tianjin.、Mm-hmm. So Melbourne was not interested in another relationship. So we went back to the map、mm. and to find that the only Australian capital city,、mm. state capital, that did not have a relationship was Hobart. Right. And with all due respect to Hobart,、um, you know, a beautiful city in its own right,、um, we started a process to negotiate the setting up of a relationship between those two cities. We started off where those two cities did not even know each other, right, did not right, even know、yeah. each other existed because、mm. for Xi'an, all they knew was Melbourne and Sydney.、Mm. And for Hobart, all they knew was Shanghai and Beijing. Yes, so they didn't、yeah. even know each other existed. Mm. Mm. But the more we talked, the more we found commonality between、mm. those two cities. And,、um, I was fortunate to be an integral part of those discussions.、Um, my language, my cultural understanding, and my appreciation for Chinese history was really、um, handy during、mm-hmm. those discussions、mm-hmm. to build trust and、right. mutual respect.、Um, interestingly, you know, we talked about、uh, the Xi'an incident, a, a, very important,、um, a very important event in Chinese modern history, modern Chinese history. Some would argue it was the focal point of the,、uh, of the change of fortune between the KMT and the CCP. You know, we were talking about that over a dinner discussion you know, with Xi'an officials, and they were impressed that you know, someone from Australia knew that right,、yeah. particular mm, piece mm. of history. So,、um, for me, that experience has motivated me to advocate for the role of Chinese Australians t-、um, to play a more prominent、um, mm. role in. The bilateral relationship. Jay、mm, Young,、mm. I said I was going to finish up, but I do have one more question for you. We've talked about the important role that Chinese Australians can potentially play in improving the state of the bilateral relationship. What would be your, 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 your hope, your vision, your picture for this bilateral relationship moving forward?、Uh, well, a very good question, James. To,、uh, for me, I'm hoping to see the bilateral relationship evolve to more than just the one dimensional. Um, perspective that we're currently seeing. Which I mean, is what? What's the one dimensional Oh, on trade and economics. Right. And I'm、okay. really sorry to say that to, a, to an economist. I but, accept the criticism. <laughs> but I think the relationship、uh, is more than just around economics and trade. It's just interesting to see when Australian ministers talk about the relationship, the immediate go to issue is on trade. It is.、Um, yeah. And I think the relationship is more than that. You know, as we touched on before, you know, this year is a very special occasion because we're celebrating. The 200th anniversary of the first recorded arrival、right. of、um, the first Chinese migrant to、mm. Australia.、Um, Chinese Australians, you know, as I mentioned before, have been here for a very long time and、mm. have contributed in very, very different ways,、um, many unique ways.、Um, and I think there is an opportunity for both sides to actually touch on shared history,、mm. to actually touch on、um, what the relationship means for, for both sides. And I think by telling more stories in relation to its shared history and our shared culture, the, the role of Chinese Australians is a good way of building trust and mutual respect 
for example, um, I recently found out that the um, one of the co-founders of the South China Morning Post was a Australian-born Chinese from New South Wales. Mm. Um, and, you know, there were a number of Chinese-Australians who assisted uh, the then Republic of China during the Second World War. Um, you know, many of them went back in the 1920s and 30s um, to, to contribute to, to the... Um, to the growth of China, um, to the opening of China at the time. You know, many Chinese Australians even donated to um, the, you know, the the Chinese Revolution, mm. you know, mm. uh, to overthrow imperialism. So there's a lot of, um, I guess, shared history between our two sides, and it hasn't been really touched on by both China or Australia. Mm. And my hope is to see the relationship move from um, the one dimension, as I mentioned before, on trade, to a multi-dimensional platform where we can talk about some of these sensitive issues. We should be striving to be in a position where we could pick up the telephone, where our prime minister could ring the Chinese president and actually talk one-on-one mm. on issues that are deemed sensitive, like you know, foreign interference and foreign influence. I don't know why we have to be discussing these things through the media, you know, through mm. Australian media and through Chinese state media. Why can't we have these discussions at the highest level? Well, that's Gough Whitlam's original vision, right? That we should have a relationship with China as on the same level as we have with other major powers. And it looks like we're still struggling to get there. Exactly, James. And mm. I think, you know, that should be our aspiration, okay. is to be a, a, in a position where we could actually influence China as well and be in a, in a position where... Um, we could have a seat at the table to ensure that, you know, when China does overstep and when we do push back, it's not seen as a criticism. Mm. But in order to do that, we need to move beyond the one-dimensional aspect of the relationship. Mm. Jayong, I wish you the best in your career as you go forward. And also, um, let's hope we hear from more from Chinese Australians in all their diversity in the Australia-China debate. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much, James, for the opportunity. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to the ACRI podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud, or listen to all our episodes on our website, australiachinarelations.org. There, you'll also find out more about ACRI's research and events. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at ACRI underscore UTS, and on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.